So we're continuing to think about the, the lion's den here in Daniel 6. If you've got a Bible, please turn with me to it. The fact that this story of Daniel is set now during the reign of another king, this is the third king that Daniel has had dealings with, it's a picture of how the kingdom of God is sustained in the midst of the kingdoms of this world which come and go. Now, as we look at this situation, we see, first of all, the devious conspirators in verses 4 to 17. And we see there in verse 4 the power of jealousy. The fact that Daniel was going to be promoted to be the, the top ruler in the land next to the king stirred these men into action, stirred them out of selfish ambition. And that's a, a very, very dangerous thing. Selfish ambition leads to jealousy. And, you know, when we think of people, when we have wrong thoughts about people, we do need to ask ourselves why and what do these wrong teach, thoughts teach us about our priorities in life? If we're people who are always wanting to push ourselves, to push our family members on, we will be people who will think it well and good to trample on a few toes on the way. But is that what Christ wants us to be? Our ambition should be Christ's ambition for us, to live for His glory and His honor. We see then the deceitfulness of their schemes. Secondly here, they realize that Daniel's weak point would be his observance of God's law. A weak point, not because this was wrong for Daniel to do, of course not, but because the law of the land would certainly clash with divine law somewhere. And that's what we're seeing in our own country this time. The law of the land is beginning, sadly, to clash with God's law. There was a time when the laws of our land were based on the Word of God and there was no clash. Now that is becoming more and more the case. And that is a a weak point. It's a place where Christians are vulnerable. It's a place where Christians will be under attack. And in some senses, we can't avoid that. We know that will be a reality, and we need to be aware of that. We need to be wise of that. Now, these conspirators, they use flattery to the king. They are dishonest in what they're doing. They say all of the rulers have agreed. Daniel didn't agree. They're deceitful in what they're doing. And we need to realize that in this world around us, we will not always have a fair deal. There will be deceit. There will be lies told about us and, and lies told against us. Paul speaks in 2 Corinthians 2 and 11 that how the, they are aware of the schemes of the evil one. As a church, as individual Christians, we need to be aware that we have an enemy who is scheming against us looking for places where we're vulnerable, looking for opportunities to trip us up. We need to be aware of that. That should move us, of course, to prayer. And then thirdly, let's consider the timing of their attack. This attack came when Daniel was on the verge of his greatest appointment and greatest opportunity of influence. And that was not accidental. When we're at times of great opportunity, that's when the enemy will be most active. He, he's been at this a long time. He's been at this for thousands of years. He knows 
when there's opportunities for God's people. And so, when you have a sense of being under attack, when you have a sense that the enemy is working against you, don't be unduly discouraged because it could be a time when good days are about to come. But also this attack happened when Daniel was moving towards the latter days of his life and his service. He's probably now aged between 70 to 80. He's been a, a long time in Babylon. It's a stage where maybe he would be thinking and desiring to have the slippers on more often, take things a bit easy, a time when he'd be like wanting life to be a bit more comfortable and having less challenges. But that wasn't going to be the case. And we need to be aware that in every stage, the enemy will always seek to attack. He will never give us an easy time. Over in Daniel chapter 7 and verse 25, it speaks of the one who persecutes. That word persecute literally means wears out the saints of God. And Sinclair Ferguson commenting on that says, certainly the powers of darkness had endeavored to wear out Daniel since the beginning of his captivity by wave upon wave of attacks on his faithfulness to God. One final effort now occurs in this chapter. It serves as a solitary reminder to us that temptations to compromise are never isolated incidents of sin, incidents in our spiritual lives, but are a part of a larger strategy of Satan against us. We need to be so aware of the spiritual battle around us and of the ongoing desire of the devil to trip us up. And the danger is that we can become like Elijah, who is worn out in the battle. And if we become like Elijah, we need that refreshment physically and spiritually. There's times we need that, to be brought to the still waters, to the green pastures, in order to be revitalized. So there's the devious conspirators in verses 4 to 17. But by contrast, we then see the, the disciplined believer as we think of Daniel. And first of all, we see his life of integrity in verses 3 to 4. The conspirators could find no fault within Daniel at all, it says there in verse 4. I think this echoes the words of Pilate when Jesus was before him. I find no fault in this man. What a tremendous witness Daniel had. And Daniel is one of the few peoples in the Bible you never read about him doing anything wrong. Now, he wouldn't have been perfect, but he was a man of integrity. Now, his integrity and his value were seen by the three different kings. If you read through these first six chapters, there are five occasions when it speaks about the kings being aware of the the value of Daniel and the integrity, the wisdom of Daniel. And we need to remember that it's a life of integrity that's a powerful witness for the gospel. When people see that we are the real deal. Now, part of seeing that we are the real deal is, is us being humble and, and confessing that we are not perfect, that we indeed do mistake and put our hands up when we do fail and when we do sin. 
But then we start again and seek to be serious in serving the Lord. We need to pray that whether in our school, in our workplace, in our families, in our community, we are seen as people of integrity, people of our word. And then, secondly, we see his life of spiritual discipline. And Daniel's integrity, it cannot be separated from this second point, his discipline and his devotion and worship to the Lord. His, his morality was tied to his godliness. Now, it speaks about Daniel praying three times a day. Now, the reason why he prayed three times a day was this was in line with the three times of prayer which would have taken place at the temple in Jerusalem. Now, we don't know whether, as a young boy, possibly, Daniel did go to the temple in Jerusalem at those times of prayer. Maybe he had been taken there by his parents. But this is why he prayed three times a day, in the morning, in the afternoon, and in the evening, because that tied in with what happened at Jerusalem. Now, he prayed towards Jerusalem. Now, the reason why he did that, again, this was just not coincidental. This was based on God's promise made to Solomon when the temple was built and dedicated. And Solomon prays to God at that time, and he says, if the occasion happens where your people sin against you and they are scattered to foreign lands and they pray towards this city, they pray towards this house, the temple, that you will hear and you will answer their prayers. And now Daniel, that has been fulfilled. He is scattered. He's taken away to Babylon, hundreds and hundreds of miles away from Jerusalem. He's a captive there, and he's remembering the promise that was given to Solomon. And the Lord came to Solomon and said he's heard that prayer. In other words, he would answer that prayer. Daniel was a man who was holding tight to the promises of God. As we will continue the later chapters of Daniel, we'll see that again again. He was holding tight to God's promises. That was one of the key things in his life. And then thirdly, we have his refusal to compromise. When this law was signed, there were probably many different voices that were speaking to Daniel, even from himself, probably saying such things as, well, Daniel, it's, it's only for 30 days, or you can keep a low profile for 30 days. But the problem, and Daniel would have known this, short-term neglect can lead to long-term failure. The key to being a disciplined person in 10 years' time is what you do today, is what you do tomorrow. And Daniel knows putting off doing what is right will mean doing what is right will not be done. Maybe the thought was, just pray quietly, Daniel. Pray in private. Close the, the door. Close the windows. Don't let people see what they were doing. This world around us is very happy with private religion. That's one of the, the reasons there's so much pressure. I think the, the cases of Asher's and so many other cases that you can read about that the Christian Institute are involved in. 
you can have your religion. You can have your private religion. We'll not stop you practicing your religion, but keep it private. Keep it within your church. Keep it within your home. Do not bring it into the workplace. Do not bring it into the school. Do not bring it into society. But that is the exact opposite of what we're called to be as the people of God. We're not called to be private Christians. We're called to be Christians so that we show that Christ matters in every area of our lives. There's no way that we should be Christians and go into our schools, go into our workplaces, and leave Jesus back at home. That is not being a Christian. And Daniel was not going to be made to car away. And I'm sure Daniel was doing this as a prominent person, not just for himself, but for the other faithful believers who were in the land at that time also. Maybe the other voice came to him, sure, Daniel, the time is near when the people will return. And Daniel knew about the prophecies of Jeremiah that this time of bondage would just be 70 years and the, the time to come home was, was short. So keep your head down for now, Daniel, and then better days would come. All these different reasons would have come to him to justify going away from his normal disciplined life of worship and devotion to the Lord. And he wasn't going to go for it. Daniel did not compromise. Sinclair Ferguson says this, that rather than view the situation as one in which he could exclusively opt out of faithfulness, he saw it as a climax of his faithfulness. Past faithfulness was not meant to be a compensation for present unfaithfulness. It was a preparation for more faithfulness. Daniel was aware that his whole life had been building up to this point. God had prepared, been preparing him for this day. And if Daniel remained faithful at this time, the honor and the glory that would come to the Lord would have been amazing. And you think about this. 2,600 years after Daniel takes that stand, we are still talking about it today. And today, it's still inspiring God's people right across the world. Do you see what happened if Daniel had just failed to take a stand? We would never have known him. His life would have counted for so little. But Daniel's life has influenced multitudes, thousands, millions, because he was willing to take a stand and remain faithful even when it would cost. Are you faithful? Are you disciplined in your spiritual devotions, in your devotions privately and with God's people? What would it take to put you off doing, keeping the pattern that God wants you to keep? Daniel would not be put off with the threat of being thrown into a den of lands. Yet for some Christians... A rainy night can put them off going to the prayer meeting. Feeling a wee bit tired stops them from going to the Bible study. 
or maybe some social activity stops a meeting with the people of God. Oh, do you see the discipline that's needed? Sinclair Ferguson goes on, he says this. Could it be that Satan does not normally encourage Darius-style legislation in the West because he has no need to do so? Only elsewhere where Christians have learned to pray like Daniel, where Christians have learned to sing the Lord's song in a foreign land, has that tactic been found necessary? He's saying basically, in the West, the devil does need to legislate against prayer meetings because he has many other ways by which he stops the people of God from being faithful in this. Oh, let's remember. Let's remember what's at stake here. Let's remember that the influence that we could have, the opportunity to shake this world around us, to impact people for time and for eternity is amazing. And all we need to do is to be faithful. Faithful to be a Christian as the Bible calls us to be a Christian, devoted to studying the Word of God privately and with God's people, devoted to praying privately and with God's people, devoted then to living out that Word. That's what we need to do. And the potential is amazing. And then this brings us to our final point, which is the glorious deliverance from verse 18 on. Darius was unable to sleep, but Daniel was at peace. And let me quote from Sinclair Ferguson again. If you want to study the book of Daniel and you're going to buy one commentary, buy the one by Sinclair Ferguson. It's absolutely goalless. To be perfectly honest, I was nearly tempted not to preach tonight, but just to photocopy a, a ch his chapter on Daniel 6 and give it to you. It is so encouraging. But this is what he says about this incident. He says, poor Darius... His helplessness suggests to us that it's better to be a child of faith in a den of lions than a king in a palace without faith. Daniel alone has peace. He alone has access to the source of all power. He knows God and he knows how to pray. Such people can never be made captives in any ultimate sense. They are already conquerors. What a statement. There was the king fretting about Daniel. He couldn't sleep. He fasted throughout the night. But Daniel was at peace. When you're a person of faith, when you're a person who knows Christ, you can be more at peace in the middle of a den of lions than the unbeliever living in the height of luxury. And what was the result of this? We'll read that once more. Faithful witness by God's people resulted in a pagan king glorifying God. Look at these last verses, verse 26. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God 
enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. Isn't it wonderful that this God whose dominion will never end, this God who delivers his people so wonderfully, he is our God. If You can call him your God if you're a Christian. And you can know this God. You can serve this God. You can talk to this God. This God will talk to you. Is there any greater privilege than being a child of this amazing God? Amen.